Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. I'm so glad you guys are here. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Arise Church Denver, and we are all about helping people follow Jesus, meaning we want to help you follow Jesus and for you in turn to help others, because following Jesus is the path to the fullest life and the only way to eternal life. So I'm glad you guys are here. Can I just say I love you guys? Is that okay? I love you guys. If you're watching online, I love you too. I wish I could give you a hug. Uh, through, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing through the camera right now, giving you a hug. I'm so glad that you guys are here today. I love this church. The, uh, last Sunday was my sixth Easter here, and it was awesome, wasn't it? Man, it was great. If you guys were here, it was powerful. It was our highest attended Sunday ever by about 150 people. Isn't that incredible? Like, it was awesome. We saw 17 people make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, which we love. We love seeing that. Um, we gave away uh, about 40 of these faith trail guides. This is a brand new thing we put together to help people with those first steps of following Jesus. And you can grab one today if you're like, hey, I don't even know what to do um, following Jesus. You can grab one of those. We want to give those out. And there's even going to be even a digital link that you can see with that. It was awesome. We even had over 200 volunteers put their hand on Easter Sunday in some way or another. Isn't that incredible? You can guys give a hand to each other for that. Um, it is so amazing to see that. And if you're like, hey, I want to volunteer somewhere. Yes, you do. You need to come next week to start. Okay, at start, we're going to talk about how you can get on a team to serve somewhere or get in a group so you can meet some friends. You're going to want to be here for start, staying after each one of the services next week. You can do that in person or online. We would love for you to take a part in start. Um, so yeah, last week was incredible. I have been a pastor here for six Easter's. Uh, Easter Sunday was my very first day on the job in 2017. And then I was at, I had five Easter's before that in Nebraska when I was a pastor. So my 11th Easter, the most people I've ever seen. It was incredible. The biggest day ever. I was on top of the world, right? But then Tuesday came and I got real discouraged. You guys ever done this? I was discouraged and I was kicking myself. I know maybe this is just me, but I don't think so. I was like, why did I say that? Why didn't I say that? I wish I could take that back. Oh, I wish we could go back and change that thing. Why did that have to happen? And I was thinking about all the negatives. And by Tuesday afternoon, I was feeling really discouraged. Ever been there? I went home. I was a little rude to my wife, and I fell asleep with the light on before 9 p.m. I was just wiped out, right? And it was that voice in my head that kept saying, you should have done this. Why did you do that? You're such an idiot. You're, you're, and that negative got voice got worse and worse, and I woke up Wednesday feeling bad. I had to text some friends, and I was like, I need some help. I need some, I'm discouraged. You guys been there? Because we all have a voice in our head, and that voice is not nice. In fact, if we told some other people around us the same things we tell ourselves, you'd get broken up with, that friend would ghost you, and you'd get fired from your job, Okay? But you let yourself talk to yourself like that. What the heck, okay? If, if, they, if someone talked to you about that, you'd quit your job. <laughs> you'd be done with that person and you'd break up with them, okay? We don't let other people treat us that way. Why do we let ourselves treat ourselves so negatively? Man, that voice in our head can be so mean. And we all have that voice, and that's why this series that we're embarking on today, I think, is so important, it's so important. There was one study that found that on average, most people have 500 thoughts each day that are unintentional and they can be negative. 500 negative thoughts. And on average, those thoughts last for about 14 seconds. Meaning if you do the math, we all have negative thoughts that we don't want for almost two hours every single day. It's a full length feature film of how awful your life is. 
You know, I had some friends when I, when I told them I was discouraged this week, they're like, you know, that's just the enemy. Okay, the enemy is real. There is a real person named Satan, and he is against us. He is our enemy, and sometimes he does say some terrible things to us. But I'm like, I don't even need Satan. I'm my own worst enemy, right? Okay, I'm singing some lit this week from 1999. Who else is in know what I'm talking about? I am my own worst enemy. It's true. I can speak to myself so negatively, and some of you do the same thing. Whether it's worry and anxiety, whether it's negative self-talk, whether it's anger, depression, sadness, shame and guilt for the things we've done in our past. We talk to ourselves in such a negative manner that it brings us down and down and down. But it doesn't have to be that way. And that's what this series is about. We have been brainwashed to think that's just the way it is, that everyone deals with anxiety, everyone has these negative thoughts, that I'm just a worrier, maybe you've told yourself that, I'm just a cynical person, I, I, depression runs in my family, and we tell ourselves these, and we became, become captive to these thoughts. We've been brainwashed. Instead, we need to learn to wash our brains and have our brains washed by that power of the Holy Spirit. You guys picking up what I'm laying down? That's what this series is about. It's time to be brainwashed. You don't have to go into those negative thoughts and let it pull you down and down and down. In fact, Jesus saved you for something better than that. And if you are a follower of Jesus, he wants you to start spiraling up by the power of the Holy Spirit and have your brain washed by his power. It's possible. It's possible. But you've got to learn how to do it. You know, I think that's a tough thing. Some people are like, well, Jesus saved me. Like, shouldn't my mind already be healed? Like, shouldn't I be, like, perfect right now? It's like, if that were the case, then when we baptize people, we would just hold them down until there's no more bubbles. <laughs> right? Oh, you're done. You're good. No, 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 no. The rest of our lives as followers of Jesus is to grow to become like him, to learn to think like he wants us to think. And God wants to transform our very minds. Are you guys ready for it? You ready for this series? Brainwash, I think it's going to be really good. It's going to run five weeks, and I want to say this to you guys to commit to this. You might be checking out our church for the first time. You might be online thinking, I don't know about this kid. That's fine. Commit to this five-week series. Subscribe if you're online on our YouTube. And if you know that you're going to be traveling, subscribe on a podcast app or on YouTube. Make sure you don't miss a single one of these messages. Commit to it, and then decide whether you like our church or not, okay? Five weeks. Give us that. Five messages in Brainwashed. Um, because we're going to learn that it's really a powerful thing that God wants us to do. And it is important. I want to show you guys a few verses. We're going to kind of jump all over the place. Our, our main verse today is one single, simple verse, and it's 1 Peter 5, 7. You can go ahead and open your Bibles to it. And if you have a, a smartphone, you can download the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app. On the bottom right-hand corner of that app, it says more. And in the middle, it says events. You can find our Rice Church Denver event. It has all the scriptures, the quotes that we'll cover today. You can find links. Save those right directly on your phone. But I want to show you that, that God wants us to overcome these negative thoughts in our head. In fact, that's one of the reasons why he died for you. And I want to show you this. In, in, in Romans 12, verse 2, Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The pattern of this world are those 500 negative thoughts that everybody has every day, and you just say, well, that's just the way it is. That's the pattern of this world, and it drags you down and down and down. I don't want that pattern. Instead, we can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to renew your mind, give you a new mind. In fact, he makes that even clearer in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts 
and attitudes. Renew, given a new thought, new attitude. It can be made new. You can be brainwashed, not brainwashed. This is so important for us to understand. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul says this, we take every thought captive so that it is obedient to Christ. Let me tell you, there is a lie that you have been believing that you are captive to your thoughts. This is just the way that I think. This is just who I am. This is how my family does it. We're just worriers. We always worry about this. No, no, no. You don't have to Google everything and find yourself in this spiral of worry and depression and negativity. Like, you don't have to do that. We, instead of being captive to our thoughts, can take those thoughts captive for Christ. You have that power. God wants that for you. So it's time to start getting our brain washed by God's power. Jenny Allen once wrote, if we can pull up that quote, Jenny Allen um, said that the greatest spiritual battle of our generation is being fought between our ears. It's true. Are you guys ready to fight? You ready to start taking some thoughts captive for Christ? I want to do it. I don't want to be the person who's negative and discouraged when we have our biggest Sunday ever here at our church. I don't think you want that either. And whether things are good and you're discouraged or, or negative, sometimes that happens, or things are really bad, we need to start taking our thoughts captive for Christ. And that's what we're going to learn to do in this series. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I have three kids now, and whether you're a parent or you've just seen a parent at the supermarket, you know that when your toddler is throwing a fit in the grocery store, you do something about it, right? If your toddler's throwing a fit, at least you try, right? You try to redirect them. You maybe whisper in their ear. You try to change their behavior because throwing a fit in front of everyone is unacceptable. It's not good behavior. And yet we let ourselves throw a fit all the time and we do nothing about it. Throw these mental fits, breakdowns, angry, you're yelling at people, maybe even just in your head, but it's time to redirect ourselves, to renew our mind and take those thoughts captive for Christ. And maybe the most important thing you can learn in this series, so listen to me on this. If you forget the whole rest of the series, learn this. You can take your thoughts captive you can have control of your thinking. Your thinking doesn't have to control you. By the Holy Spirit's power, you can do that. And that's why this series is called Brainwashed, Eliminate Toxic Thoughts. Now, I just want to give a caveat before we go any further. We can learn to eliminate the toxic thoughts that come into our brain, but that doesn't mean they're gone for the rest of your life. Man, I wish, right? That would be great if there was this miracle like, I will never be negative thinking again. Okay, no, no, no. Those thoughts will come back. And yet, we can learn to eliminate them every single time they come. It's like whack-a-mole, but you got to keep hitting, okay? You've got to learn how to fight and eliminate toxic thoughts. So that's what we're going to learn in this series over five weeks. But today, we're going to focus on the idea of worry and, more specifically, anxiety. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, okay. I talked with a friend a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, we were getting together, and he had had some major trauma in his life. Like, some bad stuff happened, and he was just like, Matt, you know, after all this stuff, I, for the first time, I've been just dealing with this, like, low-level anxiety. And I felt really bad for the guy because of what he's gone through. But I was like, for the first time? Like, are you kidding me? I was like, I've had low-level anxiety since sixth grade. Like, man, 
That's it? And I was like trying to comfort him, but also be like, are you kidding me? That's it? And maybe you're like me. In fact, I remember vividly learning about anxiety for the first time in a health class as a teenager. I was sitting in a health class and they were talking about, you may be experiencing anxiety when you start to have worrying thoughts in your head that circle and get worse and worse. And then you begin to feel it in your body. Maybe your heart rate goes up. Maybe you feel some pressure in your chest or your neck starts to get stiff. And I was like, that's me. I'm feeling it right now. Can I get out of this stupid class and do some stuff that I actually want to do? Like I remember sitting there like, why am I in here? I'm so stressed out. So I have dealt with anxiety in my life, and I think some of you have as well. If you haven't, you can sit back and relax today. That's what you're doing all the time anyways. And if you want to, you can go out to the cafe and get something to eat. But for the rest of us who have either low-level anxiety sometimes or, or when bad things happen in our lives, this message is for you. So listen up. Listen up. No, anxiety is a major problem in our country. The United States right now is described as the most anxious nation in the world with the amount of people, a percentage of people that deal with it. That every year in our country, there are 50 million people who have an incident dealing with a panic attack, a phobia, or some other anxiety disorder. 50 million every year. That the cost of this, because on medicine and lowered productivity, is some $300 billion to our economy because of stress and anxiety. It's especially bad with kids. If you've been aware over the last couple years, even here at Children's Hospital in Denver, they announced that right now our kids, the, the kids of this generation, are in a mental health crisis because of the anxiety that they're dealing with. And it's really bad for teenagers, perhaps even worse. There was one massive study of about 50,000 Gen Zers. So those are the young adults and teenagers. You guys know if you're one of them. I'm not. But Gen Zers, when they surveyed these 50,000, the one thing that they all held in common that kind of united all of this generation was anxiety. It's the generation of anxiety. And some of you, are, I, I see some heads nodding. You're like, yes. That's how it is in my life and in my school. We're dealing with it, worrying about, am I going to be alone? Am I going to be able to achieve anything? Is the economy even going to be here when I get out of high school or college? There's so many things to be concerned about and worried about. And perhaps it's even worse for moms. There's a study of millennial moms, and I'm a millennial and I'm married to a millennial mom, that 71% of millennial moms are consumed by worry. Consumed by worry. That's what they, they describe it. Consumed by it. Now, I haven't mentioned men at all, but I think we deal with it too. We just don't talk about it. In fact, I think that's probably one of the problems with men and anxiety. I just want to take a little straw poll here. This is informal. But if you are a woman here, and you have somebody in your life, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a mom, I don't know who it is, a sister, somebody that you can talk to about real raw emotional stuff at least once a week. If you have somebody in your life like that and you're a woman, would you raise your hand if you have one person in your life at least that you can talk to once a week? Some of you have somebody every day that you can talk to, right? Okay, you can put your hands down. Now, men, if there is someone that you can be raw and honest about your emotions once a week and you have that in your life, raise your hand. Okay, there's, there's quite a few. That's pretty good but a lot less than the women, okay? And this is one of the problems. The men, I think, hide it in. They don't want to even share on the polls how much they're struggling, but some of their health issues because of stress and anxiety are even higher than women. 
we're all dealing with anxiety, and, and in case you're wondering, I, I just want to put up a definition that is from the American Psychological Soci Society Association so we can get on the same page, is that anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like decreased blood pressure. So it's something that, that kind of begins in the mind, something that you begin to worry about, think about, and then it turns into this emotion that you're feeling, and then you start to feel it physically in your body. I feel my anxiety in my neck. It gets tight here and even a little bit in my throat. That's where I feel it. I, I can feel it um, way too much. Okay? Some of you might feel something different. It might be you know, in your chest. It might be a, a pulse that quickens or some, something else, maybe in your stomach. But these worries turn to anxiety. And it's something that I think most of us, if not all of us, want to learn to overcome, right? We want to reroute some of those thinking. If you're here and you're like, no, 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 Matt, worrying works. 95% of the stuff I worry about never happens. If that's you, once again, you don't have to listen to this message. But I think all of us are like, no, I would like to reroute my thinking. And that's what we're going to learn today. And we are going to focus on one verse as we talk about this. And here's my big idea. You guys ready for this? It's the big idea for today. It comes from the scriptures. It's that we need to, don't hold it in, throw anxiety away. Okay, don't hold it in, throw anxiety away. You guys understand that? Give me a little throw motion just so I can make sure you guys understand it. If you're online, I want you to do this anyways, even if you're on the A train, okay? Just make someone next to you feel uncomfortable. Give them some anxiety today, okay? Don't hold it in, throw anxiety away. Throw anxiety away. And we're gonna learn this from 1 Peter 5, 7. So let's look at this verse together as Peter writes, cast all your anxiety on him, on God, because he cares for you. This is a classic verse, a powerful verse, one that you should probably memorize. And Peter, who I kind of see when I read the stories of the Gospels, he was probably like the most anxious of the disciples. Like he says the weirdest stuff, and you're like, what are you doing, Peter? Like he was probably dealing with anxiety, and he's like, hey, this is something I've learned I want to pass on to you. We need to learn to cast our anxiety on him, on God. And he's saying this in a section where he's like, hey, we need to humble ourselves under God's hand so that he can lift us up. And how do we do that? By casting our anxiety on him. We throw it at God because he cares for us. He cares for us. What I want you to notice first from this verse is that it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I know I had a really long passage this week, but I decided anyways to translate it from the Greek for you guys. Okay? That's a joke because it's a short verse. But I, I looked at this and... I went into some dictionaries, and I found that the word all in Greek means all in English. Shocker, right? Okay. I was really trying to figure out, okay, maybe it just means a certain type of our anxiety. Because you might hear this. You might be like, there's a good anxiety and a bad anxiety. And your boss is like, it's a good anxiety when I give you a deadline you can't meet. Like, that's a good anxiety. You need it. Okay, but, but even if we talk about a good anxiety and a bad anxiety, which there are both of those things, in this verse, it says all your anxiety, doesn't it? And all means all, no exceptions. All of that anxiety we feel, when that worry begins to become an emotion and then a physical response, we need to take that and throw it at God. Cast all your anxiety on him. So this is important for us to grasp, to understand. Because of the way our brains work. The way our brains work is that when you do encounter something that freaks you out, that scares you. Your amygdala tells uh, your brain to produce something called cortisol, 
which we know of as stress. And this goes in your brain, and it begins to like help you have a narrow, focused vision. So in one sense, it's a very good thing. Did you know God created you to be anxious sometimes? Because when you're out hiking in the mountains, and you hear a and you feel anxiety, and you get hyper-focused, and you run away because you're scared, that's a good thing, okay? You don't want to get bit by a rattlesnake. God made you to be afraid sometimes. That anxiety happens in a good way. But then there can be a bad anxiety because of things that actually cannot kill us. Like when we send a text message, and then we're wondering, oh my gosh, they haven't responded yet. Do they hate me? Like, what did I say? Oh my gosh. Oh, did something happen to them? Oh my, oh no. Right? Don't we create these entire stories in our head because of a text message that doesn't get responded to within an hour? That's a bad anxiety, right? And what's even worse is the good anxiety. What can happen is that when that cortisol comes in your brain, the more and more it is released in your brain, it begins to destroy the part of your brain that actually relieves some of the stress. Your hippocampus. It begins to slowly erode the more and more anxiety you feel so that you cannot regulate yourself. What's supposed to happen is you have that anxiety, rattlesnake, and then your brain slowly calms yourselves down. You, you might have experienced this when you're driving your car and someone like veers into your lane and you're a little freaked out, and then it takes you like 20 minutes to calm down, right? Okay, that's normal, but then you should calm down. But if you allow that stress to keep building up, that anxiety to stay in your brain, and you keep worrying about it, it actually erodes your hippocampus so that you will be less and less able to calm yourself down. That's why worrying again and again about these things, about these things that you cannot change from the past, or about these things in the future that you have no control over, that 95% of our worries, is actually destroying our brain from the inside. A lot when you heard about, hear about brain science is the idea of neural pathways. So that as you begin to think something, you begin to form a rivet, or I'm sorry, a, you, a track in your brain, a rut. And, and this is how when you first do something, you have to think about it a lot. You really have to think, okay, what am I doing? Like when you drive in a car, and then the more and more you do it, you can drive for an hour and you realize like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just got here, right? Because you have built this habit in, in your brain and you just are used to it. You've built a rut. So for the negative way is that you've built a rut to worry, to worry, to worry, and it's destroying your brain. The good news is that you can create a new rut to something better. You can create a new neural pathway. This is the way that God invented and created our brains so that we can either have a negative rut or a good one. Now, if you've ever been to Alaska, you know that there are two seasons there, winter and July, okay? And ask Gary Lidholm about that after the service. Okay, and when the snow finally begins to melt in July, it makes very muddy roads, a lot of dirt roads, gravel roads, and if you drive on them, there are ruts, right? Because someone has driven there before you, and it makes a rut so that you can drive on that same rut, and there is even one road in Alaska that has a big sign that says, choose your rut wisely, you're going to be there for the next 60 miles. Because that rut just keeps going. If you get in it, you're stuck there. And if it's a negative rut in our brains towards worry and anxiety and destruction, that's a bad rut to get in. But we can choose to reroute our brain to a new rut. And the more and more we begin that positive thinking that we're going to learn today through prayer, that it can reroute our entire brain, and it, instead of giving us a spiral downwards, it's giving us a spiral upwards. 
more healing in our brain. Your very brain's makeup can be changed. And that's why Peter said, all anxiety, cast it on God. I don't care if it's good anxiety or bad anxiety. If you cry out to God and throw it on him in prayer, he wants to heal you. You're not supposed to hold that in forever. You're supposed to let go of it. Get rid of it, and it will actually begin to heal your brain. And neuroscience is proving that this happens. I want to tell you about two neuroscientists who are studying this. The first one is Dr. Caroline Leaf. She did some research and found that there was a group of people who prayed for 12 minutes a day for eight weeks. And they did a scan on their brain before they started praying and then a scan afterwards. And that within just eight weeks of praying daily, that their brain scan looks visibly different. Their very brain makeup has changed because of prayer. You guys understanding what I'm laying down? Picking it up? Another neuroscientist, Dr. Andrew Newberg, he has found that that fight or flight response that we have when something scary happens, you know, when you're driving and, or you hear the rattlesnake, that hippocampus that it reacts, that the more you pray in those situations, it can actually stop and change your fight or flight response. You can get better and more peaceful even in those moments just through prayer. It can help you regulate better and, and calm yourself down and get peace quicker because of prayer. Neuroscience is proving that prayer works. It's almost like God knew what he was talking about a few thousand years ago when he wrote this book. It's amazing how much of this comes true. And it's proven the more that we can study it. Prayer can reroute your brain. It can wash your brain, renew your mind, and help you take every thought captive. And that's why Peter is saying, cast your anxiety through prayer on the Lord. Throw it at God, and he will be the one who can sustain you and help you and take that anxiety away. Max Lucado, I think he's right when he wrote that the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. Choose your rut. And I don't want to be in that prison. I don't. And just so you know, I'm learning just as much as you guys through this series, okay? That's why sometimes I do these series, like, I need to learn this, like, I need this for me. You guys just get to overhear it, right? So thank you for being here for my counseling session. So the first thing we learn through that is all our anxiety, all of it, the good and the bad. Let's cast it over to him, throw it on him. So how do we do that? Let's look again at 1 Peter 5, 7, because it says to cast all our anxiety on him. So it's on to God. Now, Hopefully, you do have a person in your life that you can talk to about real stuff, that stuff that's weighing you down, that's burdening you and emotional. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member. You need those. You need a bunch of those. But there is no human being that can handle all your burden. They can help a little bit. But that's why even with those people, we don't tell them everything, do we? Because we're like, if I told you what I'm thinking, you'd think I was crazy. You'd think, how could you speak so negatively to yourself? (gasps) Like... We're afraid that they can't handle it because they can't. Like hopefully you find someone in your life that can handle a lot, but no one can handle all of it. You can't handle all of it. That's why we need God who can handle everything. He can handle all of it. We gotta throw it on him. We have a burden that's weighing us down. Physically, we feel that with anxiety, right? And God says, throw it on me, I'll take it. We put it on him. He's got it. He's like, that's easy. He doesn't care what we say to him. How we say it to him, he can handle it. He wants to take that burden from us onto himself. 
that word cast, I, I don't really like it because when I, we think of casting, it's like fishing and you're like holding on to the, the fishing pole still. Like, I'm going to keep hold of this thing. But the word cast here is actually like letting go. It's the same word that's used when Jesus tells his disciples to go find a donkey so that he can ride it into Jerusalem. And when they find it, they take a cloak and they throw it, they cast it on the donkey. Now, they did not keep holding on to that cloak as Jesus rode down into Jerusalem. Like, let me get this, I got, no. Okay, they put it on the donkey and let go because the donkey can carry the cloak and Jesus the rest of the way. In the same way, we need to throw, we need to cast by letting go of our anxiety and putting it on God. Say, God, I'm angry about this, I'm mad about this, I'm worried about this, I'm throwing it at you. And you can say it in the most, like, somebody else would be like, that's verbal vomit, I can't handle it. God can. You can be completely honest, open, and vulnerable with God. Anything that you're thinking, he's heard it, and probably worse. And he loves it. He cares about you. He cares about you. And I just wanted to, to prove this to you guys, so I wanted to show you what some of the greatest heroes of our faith said to God. Let's look at a few of these. Let's look at what Moses said in Numbers eleven fourteen. I cannot carry all these people by myself when they were complaining in the wilderness. Moses said, the burden is too heavy for me. And in verse 15, he continues. He says, if this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. Moses told God, I can't handle it, kill me. Let's look at what David said. David, in one of the many places, he writes in Psalm 6-3, My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? He's got a lot of psalms, okay? How about Jeremiah? This is one happy fellow. He says, Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? He's a real happy guy. He's like the radio head of the Old Testament, if you read Jeremiah. Whew. Okay, he's like, God, I, 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 I can't handle it. I wish I hadn't even been born. How about Elijah? This is one of my favorites. Right after he goes up on the mountain, calls down fire from heaven, he wins this great battle with all the prophets of Baal, and then he's depressed. That's, I'm like, I get it, I get it. It says that he came to a broom bush, sat down under, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I am no better than my ancestors. After one of the greatest moments in Israel's history, he's depressed and wants to die. But he cries out to God, doesn't he? How about Job? Let's talk about a hard life, okay? He says, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. I say to God, and he goes on about how awful and terrible his life is. Or how about Jesus? On the night he was betrayed, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I feel like I'm dead. I'm dying. I can't live like this. And he cries out to God in prayer. Every single one of those heroes, we look at them. Uh, when I showed this, uh, Sawyer saw my notes earlier this week, Pastor Sawyer, and he's like, wow, this is going to be a really depressing sermon. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this gives me more hope than anything in the Bible. These guys, Moses, Job, Jeremiah, Jesus, these heroes of the faith had some of the lowest, worst moments in their life. They're burdened, they're anxious, they're worried, they're crying. And what do they do? They throw it on God. That gives me hope. Because if God can use those people, maybe he can use me. And if God can lift them up, maybe he can lift me up. So I'm going to do what they did. 
And I'm going to be honest with God, yell at him, be mad at him because he's like, I got this. You know, I say to my kids, starting right now, I say, I don't care what you do or how bad things get in your life. I love you no matter what. You can always come to me. I don't care how far you've gone. And and right now they don't understand. But I'm like, I don't care what you do. You're always going to be my child. I'm always going to love you. How much more so our Father in heaven? He loves us no matter what we do. And that's why Peter says we must do this. We, we throw our anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. He loves you. He sees you in your mess and your anxiety when you're still holding on to the burden that you should have given up years ago. And he wants to take it from you. He cares about you. He loves you. He doesn't even care if you cause the problem. He doesn't care if you're the reason for the divorce. You're the reason why you got fired. You're the reason why you're going to prison. God still loves you and cares for you. He said, throw all your crap at me. I got it. God loves you. So let's throw our anxiety on him. He cares for us. He loves us. That's what he wants from us. In Philippians uh, chapter 4, Paul writes like the same idea, right? He's like, do not be anxious about anything. Similar to all, all right, all our anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation when you are anxious, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Same idea, right? Give it to God. Present it to him. No matter what you're feeling, that burden, that worry that keeps cycling down negative, give it to God. Let go of it. Let him take it from you. Did you know that the, in Kindle, the most highlighted book in the entire Bible is, or I'm sorry, the entire the most highlighted book in of all books is the Bible. And the most highlighted passage of the Bible is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. So this is the most highlighted verse passage in all of Kindle, right? And here's why, because verse 7 tells us what happens when we do that. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you throw your anxiety at God, when you let go of it, you don't hold it in, when you give it to God and let go of that burden, he promises to give us a peace, to renew our minds, to heal our hippocampus, to heal our brain and those neural pathways. And when we do that, instead of that spiral down into negativity, it spirals upwards into more and more peace and calmness, even in the moments that we should be the most anxious. So that's what we need to do as our new pathway. Don't hold it in. Throw anxiety away. Throw it away. Now, some of you are wondering, we're like, well, Matt, you know, I think I have a chemical imbalance, and, and isn't there some physical aspect to this? I would just want to say this. Yes. We've already talked about how our brains get messed up. And for some people, there has been so much messed up that you might need some help. And you can talk with the doctor. There are some medicine that can help with this kind of stuff. Okay? Because this is a physical thing. Now, I think, you know, this is my opinion, I'm not a doctor, that I don't think we want to stay on those pills for the rest of our lives. Like, there can be some healing from our brain, but for a while, it might be what you need. You can talk to a doctor. It's good. It's a good thing. This is what I would also say. There's some physical aspects to this. It's not just learn to pray and everything's going to be perfect for your life. When Elijah was super depressed, do you know what God did for him? He let him take a nap. Seriously, he waited till he woke up, Then an angel appeared to him, cooked him a meal, so he ate some food, and then God brought him a friend named Elisha, 
Okay, there is some aspect of, of physical stuff. So changing your diet, starting to exercise, you know, there's some physical things you can do to help with that anxiety that you're feeling. But I think in those moments and throughout the rest of our lives that this is the pathway that God has laid out for us to renew our minds. So do all those things and learn to pray. Because no matter what, you might not be able to eat in that moment. You might not be able to pop a pill, but you can pray. You can pray and you can cast and throw your anxiety on him and then your brain will begin to be healed and restored and renewed. You can be brainwashed. So don't hold it in. Throw anxiety away. You guys understanding me on this? Don't hold it in. Throw anxiety away. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do this in prayer. It can just be like yelling at God, like get in that. That's, I think, one of the reasons why Jesus is like, get in your prayer closet. Don't let anyone hear you because you got some stuff to say. Like, go in the soundproof room, yell out loud. Sometimes when I go on a run, I'm like yelling at God. So if you see me in the park, don't, I'm not crazy. I'm like the heroes of the faith, right? Okay. We all have to deal with that. Like, what's your way to do it? I, I've heard some people will write it down on a list, whatever they're worrying about, and then light it on fire. It's a great way to just, like, let go of it, right? I know some people, I read about one person who made a box, and they put it on their nightstand, and on top of it, they put the God box. They wrote that on there. And they would write down their worries and put it in the box. They're like, it's not mine to deal with anymore. The way I decided to do it, and I, I started doing that this week, was I was like, whenever I have something that I'm like, I need to do this, I've gotten in the habit of immediately putting it on my to-do list on my phone. Like I have an app that I'm like, okay, I need to take care of this. But there's a lot of stuff I can't control, right? That's out of my control. So I, I made a new list that's called my God to-do list. And whenever I think I'm like, I can't do anything about that, I put it on my God to-do list. Like I can't protect my kids from everything that's gonna happen in Denver. Put it on my to-do list for God. I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. that I can't change that person's heart but God might be able to, so I'm gonna let go of that. And I'm gonna say that's his to-do list. I can't handle that. It's not my burden to carry ever. I'm gonna let go and give it to God. So don't hold it in, throw anxiety away. And I think some of us need some practice right now, so I want all of you to close your eyes for a second. You're listening to my voice. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think for a minute about that thing that's really wearing you down, that burden that you're having right now that worry. It might be multiple things. And I want you to grab it and make a fist like you're holding on to that thing. Can you do that? Hold on to that worry for just a second. Make a tight fist. And yes, if you're online, I want you to do this too. You might be out on that run. Make a fist. Hold on to that thing. Now open your eyes. Okay. You're holding on to that worry. It's time to throw it to God. So I want everybody to wind up and throw it at God with me, okay? Okay, it can be a baseball, a football, a discus, shot put. I don't care how you throw it. Just let go of that thing. That's God's now. Let's let him have that burden. So don't hold it in. Throw anxiety away. Now, uh, today we talked about anxiety. I hope this can begin to help you as you get to brainwash. Next week we're going to talk about those negative thoughts we tell ourselves. Negative self-talk. And I'm bringing in an expert for this. Somebody who's helped me a ton. A guy named Steve Cuss who wrote a book that really helped me over the last few years. Um, so he's going to be here, and I, I want to sit and listen to him. So that's what I'm doing for you guys, so we can learn how to um, overcome negative self-talk. You are not going to miss want to miss next week's message. In fact, this is a great week to invite a friend or, or coworker, somebody that you know that's got some negative self-talk, to, to bring him back next week for Steve Cuss. And then I do just want to say, um, it, uh, 
that, that we need Jesus for this, don't we? We need the Holy Spirit to make this powerful. Because if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, like hopefully some of the stuff I've told you can help. But if you don't have a Jesus to pray to, like you need him. He's the one who says, come to me all you who are wearied and burdened and I will give you rest. He's the only one that can give us true rest. And it's because when we were at our worst, when we were stupid, when we had done stuff to cause the burden, God loved us. He cared about us in that worst moment of ours when we hated him and turned our backs on him. And he sent his own son, Jesus, to come and to live a life among us, a life that was filled with problems and and people like Peter who brought anxiety to Jesus' life. And that way, even at the end of his life, he had to cry out, uh, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Jesus felt the same anxiety and burden that we do, but he learned to throw it to God. And then when he, living that perfect life, went on the cross, to die, he died in our place for us so that our burden would be put on him on the cross. He became sin. He took our sin upon himself, our burdens upon himself. That's why he's saying, come to me, take my yoke upon me and I'll take yours. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I want you to know that you always have a Jesus that loves you that can take your burden from you. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity today to make a decision to follow him and then you have him with you always and he will provide the peace that will guard your hearts and minds and begin to give you a brain wash and if you want to make that decision today we're going to give you an opportunity to pray and then we want to give you one of these faith trail guides we put this together for for people that are brand new to faith and and we'll we'll give you an opportunity we'll give you one of these today so would everybody close your eyes let's pray together If you're a follower of Jesus, repeat this prayer after me to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Give me the gift of eternal life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and find peace in you for the rest of my life. Now with eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and you meant it, we want to celebrate with you and we want to give you one of those gifts of that that faith guide. So put your hand in the air on the count of three. Everybody's eyes closed. One, two, three. Put your hand in the air if you made that decision today. I see a couple hands right over here. Keep that hand up. Nobody's looking, but let's get you. Yeah, let's celebrate with those who made a decision today. Lord God, we are just so grateful that you love us. You care about us. You sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. Can we talk about it even greater love than that? It is so amazing. And we pray right now for the people who are struggling in anxiety, that you'd give them freedom begin to heal their mind, begin to free them from the strongholds of depression and anxiety and worry. Relieve that burden from people. Give them the peace that transcends all understanding. And Lord Jesus, help us to follow you and grow and help our minds find that rut that leads us to peace and to peace and to peace. I pray that you'd help us through the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen.